I'm Lauren Garrity, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter, from their first memories of laughter to being laughed at, to their, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry moments. And since then, I'm sure I've doubted everything. <laughs> like, same. Yeah, like, is Santa real? I remember when I found out then I was like, Mom, is Jesus real? And then she tried to explain to me about faith. Are you real? And then I was like, is gay burn real? The toy show man. She was like, yes, he is real. Author and actor Stephanie Preisner is my guest this week. She tells me about her childhood in Mallow, the struggle with studying drama and turning the pain of a breakup into a touring, sellout, one-woman show. I hope you enjoy. Stephanie Preisner, you're very welcome to the laughs of your life. Thank you. <laughs> was that was that too? I don't know. BBC? It's just like all of a sudden, yeah, very BBC. <laughs> like, okay, Desert Island Discs, and also I need to age myself up by Sorry. fifty. Just trying to like embody Mary O'Callaghan or something. I'm afraid you're going to ask allowed. me like, do I love my mother or something? <laughs> You're not allowed to um, mention other podcasts in this podcast, so if oh, you sorry. could just not do that again, that'd be great. <laughs> Derivative, like. <laughs> um, before we start, I have to say I was a little bit nervous to Why? meet you today. I don't know. I feel like I, I kind First of First of all, we met before, don't lie. No, I know, but that was a very casual setting. It was. That was a Christmas party and, you know, everyone's jovial. But I feel like I was going to fangirl a bit because I just think you're deadly. Really? That's gas, because I also feel like that about you. <laughs> oh my God, this is so cool. This is so cool. No, um, I just, I, do you know what it is? The main thing, like you've done a lot of cool things, but cutting edge is, the, is my idea of an absolute nightmare. Because if you say one wrong thing, not wrong thing, but thing that's like semi-controversial or not popular opinion, you can get absolutely annihilated yeah, by you, the people around the table you do and get Twitter. Annihilated and Twitter. How do you deal with that? It's before we crack like on with the actual interview. Half a beta blocker and tears. I don't know. Like <laughs> it's very stressful. Yeah. And um they also set it up. It's a great show, you know, but they set yeah. it up in such a way that like you're sitting opposite like your polar opposite. It's like the opposite of first dates. Because I yes. think First Dates Ireland is one of my favourite shows and they do such a good job at matching people and Cutting Edge is the opposite. Yes. So like you're sitting opposite George Hook who is talking about the first time that he saw a naked breast that wasn't him breastfeeding. Mm. And they know that I don't really like to talk about sex and also this man is a little bit intimidating mm. and that was my first time doing live television. And so I didn't know that when someone is speaking, the camera might not be on them. <laughs> yes. So, so you had these iconic facial expressions. I was just like, is this happening? Like, but also you're on, it's live and you have to have like constructed, informed opinions. We were talking about Donald Trump at the table that night. So I was like really concentrating on trying to like formulate my thoughts. And I was like, but I thought we we're meant to be talking about Trump and this guy's talking about breastfeeding no. and like, it was just all a lot. Yeah. And um, so why did you go back? <laughs> because I love that show and I love yeah. like I. Yeah, I'm just going to say it like I'm I'm an intelligent person. I read the news. I like to keep up with current affairs. And, you know, I don't know anything about fashion or beauty or makeup or actually I don't know a lot about TV and film, but uh, I like current affairs and politics. And so when I get a chance to like flex those muscles and go up against other people who have contrary opinion, I find it really important to do that. And that's the shows that I love contributing to, you know, when it's about the news and the world. And It shows. Well, thank you. 
let's uh, move along with their actual topic. Let's try and be funny, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we don't, we don't have to be funny. You know what I mean? It's about laughter, but laughter in all different kinds of ways. But can you remember your first memory of laughter? Um, of my first laughter or people laughing? Your first memory of laughter, whatever so, way you want to take it. When I was <laughs> in... Junior infants. What age in junior infants? Like four or five. Yeah. So I had this friend. I still have him. He's called Tom. And I thought it was quite entrepreneurial. But we used to kids at that age were like, eh, boys, eh, girls, you know, and we were really good friends. And people be like, ah, I dare you to kiss. And we decided to make a business out of this. And there was this little milk cart that went around Um the school probably everyone had it with these like 33 milliliter cartons of milk and on top they'd be slapped like 12 queen cakes Mm -hmm. with icing on and I don't know how they delineated between the people who deserved buns and who didn't sometimes it was like a socioeconomic division and sometimes it was to do with how well you had behaved either way I never got them Never. And never. No. Except I found, Tom and I found a way of getting them, which is that the kids who got the buns got them before lunchtime. So we would organise to kiss in the yard. And in exchange for buns, you were allowed to look. <laughs> no. And like, first of all, other kids were laughing. Um, But we were like, this is brilliant. Gold. And then we would sit behind the bike shed. La- I just remember the laughter. Just, we knew at the time like I know now, how ridiculous it was and how hilarious it was and how inconsequential the kiss was, but how to other people it was like, oh my God, Stephanie and Tom are kissing in the yard. And how, so you get buns every day then? I mean, you know, eventually it probably fizzled down to two times a week, but that's just the nature of relationships. (laughs) Oh my God, I love that. Whenever we wanted buns, like, and I, I always wanted more buns than Tom. So he'd be like, I want to like go and play with the other boys like no we're doing this (laughs) was that down in Cork yeah yeah in Mallow did you love it down there right Miriam (laughs) did I love it down in Mallow am I not allowed to ask anything serious you are just though and did you love it down there (laughs) and did you love him but he died didn't he (laughs) and it's Tom dead tell me about that (laughs) Um, I did I love it in Mallow I always kind of felt like kind of a blow in in Mallow. My family are from Dublin. My mum is from Castlenock. Well, Santry via Castlenock. I don't know, like wherever. Um, and we moved to Mallow so my mum could work um, after we moved back from Germany. And I, I just never really was like, I was like, why am I in Cork? You know? Yeah, okay. Um, and sometimes even when I'm standing on Patrick Street now, I'm like, why am I in Cork? Really? Yeah, I just, I really feel like Dublin is my home. And yeah. When I moved to Dublin after UCC, when I, I went to university in Cork and I really didn't like university. The course was great and it is a phenomenal university, but the university setup didn't suit me because there wasn't enough rules and there wasn't enough like regulation. You talk about that in your book. Yeah, I do, because I just love rules. I can totally relate to that. And and I I loved the leaving cert because you know exactly what you have to do, what you have to learn off by heart. It freaked me out, the lack of rules and the lack of, and the how, you know, it was anything goes or like, you know, for essays or whatever, it was like, it's your opinion. I was like, no, I need to just have facts. What's right? Yeah, like, can we deal in facts? Yeah. Like, don't use vague terms when specific ones exist and like, stop telling me to like, find myself. And Did you do drama? 
Yeah, I did drama. And then I took Spanish as well on top because I was like, I can't just do this. Yeah. And sorry, I need to cough. Do that. <coughs> Lovely. It's a good one. Uh, drama was another sort of like laughing moment where kind of like I'm going to laugh because if I don't, I'm going to start weeping into the abyss of like, what am I doing? But we were... <laughs> We had these drama classes. So you'd come from like your Spanish class where it was regimented and you were learning Spanish vocabulary or you were doing some sort of Don Quixote sort of investigation. Then you'd come into the drama class, into the drama lab, it was called. And lab gives a sense of like science and Mm. laboratory. Nah, into the drama lab, take a yoga mat, lie on the floor. And I'm like, okay, cool, we're going to do yoga. That's great. I can focus all my intention into like standing and look at all the muscles that it takes to stand. No, lie on the floor and like, what animal do you feel like? And people do this as a joke when they think about drama classes, but this is university level drama and we are lying on the floor pretending to be animals yeah. to, to try and unlock a character that we haven't yet played. <laughs> and <laughs> I just started to laugh because I was like, is this my life? Like, is this, I'm a, I'm a clever person. Like, I, I'm going to have a degree, you know? I want to be challenged in a way. And so I just kind of, I just laughed it off. And then I kind of went with it and became yeah. the class clown a little bit. Where I was like, grand, if this is it, I'm going to go hell for leather with this animal. I think I was a mosquito. <laughs> I was sitting on the windowsill at one point and ever people were like, I'm a well-bred pony. You know, and you're like, well, I'm a mosquito. How did you even think of a mosquito? Because <laughs> I just wanted to undermine the exercise, you know. God, <laughs> like, I know how that feels. I did drama also. Um, and yeah, one day we went in and it was like, um, okay, so we want you to be the color yellow today. Yeah. And it's and so just, frustrating yeah. because it's not possible. No, it's not and possible. And also like, how do I know that when I say yellow, the color that you see is the same thing? Yeah. Like, this is such a subjective exercise, <laughs> but they're like, Stephanie, stop fighting it. You're like, I'm fighting logic. Like, this is like, please, can we put some sense into this? So uh, like in that, uh, while we're on this, the first time you felt laughed at, was that in college while you were being a mosquito? The first time I felt laughed at, contrary to what it seems like now, I did look at these answers. Let me, can I just? <laughs> That's all right. Oh, yes. Mm. So, the first time that I felt laughed at, that I can remember, I was probably laughed at a lot behind my back, but luckily my back was turned and I couldn't actually see it. But I did often get the sense that, like, people were laughing at me. I never quite knew why, but there was one time that it was very overt and it was Christmas. And I was, like, probably 11. Mm. And my friends and I had gone to... the cinema I think to see Beethoven or something the dog the dog yeah and we were coming out and it was like a really stormy night and there was an airplane flying across the sky in Cork Cork is on a flight path Mm. and I was like oh my god it's Santa's lights oh my god you're laughing at me right now I'm not I'm not I'm laughing because I'm like oh my god I feel so sad and like because I know what's coming yeah and like 10 of my friends were like "Ah," first of all thinking I was joking and then I was like oh maybe he's just like just seeing, just checking on his list, no, like to I see who's naughty and who's nice. And because it's close to Christmas, like we better, I'm going to go to bed like really early when I go home. <laughs> and they were laughing at me. And then in school on Monday, kids who hadn't been at the party were like, I'd heard. Stephanie, do you still believe in Santa? 
And I was like, <laughs> no. And then like, I remember going into the toilet and we were in sixth class and they had just introduced, oh my God, also they had just introduced sanitary towels to oh us. Right? So there's just like this pile of sanitary towels that I didn't yet need or understand. <laughs> and I was just sitting on the lid of the toilet, having a like a crisis of identity being like, oh, oh my God, like Santa... No. is real I never doubted it okay right I still didn't doubt it okay that, well that's good I was like how I was like tur- this was like if it had been about God this is where I would have been evangelical <laughs> and I would have turned into a born again Christian but I was sitting on the toilet thing like oh my god I have to like first of all save the girls so that they get presents but also save. like why is everyone laughing at me and I just felt so stupid because you still fully believe because I believe yeah. and and it wasn't until the next summer that I found out and then I felt retrospective shame. Like oh, I was like, no. oh, I'm such a little idiot. Like, And the teacher heard and everyone must have been like, you know, tilting their head in a like, the adults are probably tilting their head in a, ah, God bless her. And then the other kids are like, oh my God, Stephanie is stupid. And I think that's like my biggest fear in life is people thinking that They're I'm stupid, stupid because I'm not. No. And I just had blind faith. It was a rule. Like Santa was real. Why would you question that? Why would you lie about that? <laughs> Still, to this day, why do people lie about that? That is actually, that's true. Like, that yeah, is. And since then, I'm sure I've doubted everything. <laughs> like. Same. Yeah. Like, is Santa real? I remember when I found out then I was like, mom, is Jesus real? And then she tried to explain to me <laughs> about you faith. real? And then I was like, is gay burn real? <laughs> the toy show man. No, she was like, yes, he is real. Uh, and it was enough just for that day. She was like, okay, <laughs> gay burn is real. Everything else has been taken from me. So but gay good. burn is a real person. Oh my God. That is amazing. Yeah. Um, but it didn't scar you for life. I mean, I'm 31 <laughs> now, Darren, and I'm sitting here talking to you and my ears are kind of hot because I'm remembering me sitting on that janky little toilet <laughs> with those awful things next to me. They're now not awful, but at the time I was like, <laughs> what now, are those? They're now pretty necessary. Yeah. Uh, okay. The moment when, if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. I mean, it could have been the Santa moment too, you know. It could have been the Santa <laughs> moment, although I didn't laugh. I just tried to save them from... Yeah. The rapture. Um, if I didn't laugh, I'd cry. So then there was the moment in UCC where I was lying on the floor. And I guess a lot of times. So I'm kind of, I'm a really sensitive person and I'm an introvert. And so I find social situations very like draining and intimidating, you know, and I get quite anxious. Um, and I used to drink to mitigate all of those feelings Mm -hmm. and I also used to make sure that I was the loudest person and the funniest person so like a lot of the times I used to laugh and make others laugh and be the loudest funniest person in the room because if I didn't I would be crying in a corner being like this is too much this is too much so like if you can be the loudest the biggest person in the room then it's a safety net in a way. It's like a buffer for all of the incoming personalities and all the incoming conversations. Like if you can... Drowning it out. I kind of would take hostages. Like I would take a room hostage with my laughter, with my jokes, with my, you know, like making sure that all of the chairs in the room were facing towards me. I was that kind of person because it was like, okay, if I can control the room, I'm in control. I'm I'm in control of this and and that's the only way I can be in this room. And so... In that way, like, 
there's no specific example, but I just remember things like, let's say at the Dublin Fringe Festival, I would have been performing Salpadine is my boyfriend or our father and I couldn't get a ticket to that, by the way. Oh, well, maybe I'll bring it back. Just, <laughs> just for, <me>. for you. <laughs> How awkward would that so be? Weird. I'm now going to perform my one woman show just for, for you. For one woman. And like, I imagine it in a theatre, like the Abbey, where you're just sitting at the very back. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like you'd go to the bar afterwards and people would want to talk to you or they'd want to. And I find that like now I just don't go. I just, you know, I... I take my leave and and I realised that actually I used to spend so much time in my head being like oh god they'll if I don't go to the bar afterwards people won't like me and they'll be annoyed it's like actually they wouldn't even have noticed because someone else would have been the loudest person in the room and you're not actually as important as you think you are so you're grand you know but it's hard to get that um, it's hard to kind of overcome that and I've written a new book that's out in May which is about learning to say no and kind of deals with like the the time that I re all the time that I spent going to the things and then realizing that actually no one will miss me and I have to say no and I'm the only one who can you know put in those boundaries for myself so there was a lot of time that like if I didn't laugh I would have cried because I was putting myself in situations that I just was not comfortable in because of who I am as a person which is an introvert and kind of a little bit socially anxious and so now I don't do those things and you don't feel like you've missed out no I don't feel I've missed out at all other people have started to relate to me differently, especially people who would have been around at that time. Yeah. Um, they're like, oh, you used to be so much fun. Oh, like, I'll have, you're no crack without drink now that you don't drink. Or I'm like, well, actually, I was never any crack and that wasn't fun for me. So exactly. sorry, like you can go and like find someone else, find someone else on Instagram to laugh at, but I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually much more serious and I feel like I don't laugh as much as I used to. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't laugh as much as I used to. But then when I'm with the right person, like you and I have laughed loads already this morning and I have a very small few people who I laugh a lot with. And that's that's much better than like genuine laughs. Yeah. Like now I have laughs that are going to give me wrinkles, you know, but like my skin is quite good because all (laughs) the laughter that I've done (laughs) was not real laughter. Yeah. And you don't drink. I I mean, it's all come full circle. And I wear SPF. (laughs) Top tip. (laughs) Yeah, my mom often says, like in terms of friendships, if you've like as an adult, obviously when you're younger, you've you like to think you have loads of friends, and she always says, if you've one great friend, you're lucky. If you've two, you're extraordinarily lucky. Yeah. Extraordinarily lucky, um, and it's true. You know, as in in terms of people you can genuinely confide in, they can confide in you. They're not a drainer. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard something recently. Who said it? Andrea Hayes. Um, friends who are not drainers, but are radiators. Yeah. They're the people to surround yourself with. Yeah. I've had a couple of friends in my time that weren't even a drain. They were like a sewer. You know, oh you're God. like, oh God. Yeah. But I think that I used to have, like my mum used to say that, or maybe some adults anyway used to say, like, if you have two good friends like your mum. And I used to be like, lousy, like I've got 55 <laughs> best friends. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, oh God, the idea of having to talk to 55 people. Yeah. I'd run a mile from a group of four, like. <laughs> okay. Your no laughing matter moment. So that kind of crunch time moment. I I have, I can be quite serious and I can get very annoyed if people try to make jokes when something serious is happening, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of mercurial that way. Um. It's kind of loads. Actually, I had one just this weekend. My laptop broke. Oh, God, right. And 
my long story short, the laptop got water on it. I had finished the book on Friday. The book was due in on Monday. On Friday night, laptop no. went. No, of course it wasn't backed up. And don't come at me with your home truths about the cloud. I don't want them. <laughs> um, <laughs> I And I ended up having to pay a lot of money to some guy who could get everything off the laptop, even though it wouldn't turn on. And then I had to get a new laptop. So very stressful situation over three days, culminating last night in me opening this new um computer that I bought, which wasn't this sort of like glorious unboxing moment. I resented it. I didn't have the money, mm-hmm. you know, cordoned off for that expense. Mm-hmm. So I opened the laptop and I'm ready to plug in this new, this old hard drive that had all my stuff on it. And I realized that Apple have removed USB ports no. from their laptop. So I couldn't do it. And my housemate tried to make a joke. No. And I was like, excuse me, this is not the time. Sit down. I don't. I can't. And then I just had to go up to my room and like put away my phone because you know the way when people are like trying to text you a silver lining and I'm like, I don't need your optimism right now. Like deal in reality. This is the fact. Like right now I have no USB ports and I have have a need for one. Now I'm going to ask the most annoying question. But if if you go on, why didn't you ask in the shop if it had a USB port? Do you think who? Buys anything in a shop, Darren. Oh my god! Where did you buy it? Online. Online. But did you not check in the description that it had a USB port in it? No MacBooks have USB ports in them anymore. Yeah, but I'm in an abusive relationship with Apple computers. Like (laughs) they keep changing the charger on my phone so that everyone has their own individual charger and community is dead. (laughs) It's like fingerprints. Yeah, and like they're they've now removed usb and like your own computer won't have a usb soon either because samsung aren't doing them huawei aren't doing them however the hell you pronounce so what's that. the it is huawei so what's the alternative the alternative is a usb-c port because they want to get more alphabetical letters in i don't know oh but it's God. now there's going to be adapters for a while before they're phased out sure cars don't even come with cd players anymore i have a load of m&m cds i can't listen to my Samantha Mumba album is sitting in my car waiting to be listened to and I can't. You can't listen to Samantha Mumba in the car. You'll have a car crash. Oh God, stop. The ad. <laughs> stop. Body to body. No. The one without the seatbelt. You can't listen to Samantha Mumba in the car. That's a rule. How did she agree to let that be part of that ad? Anyway. Money, obviously. Oh yeah. <laughs> How does anything happen? <laughs> okay, so that was your no laughing matter moment. But you're okay now. You've survived it. You look at you with your silver linings. This morning now when I leave here, I'm going to go to one of those computer shops and pay another exorbitant amount of money for some sort of a flash, <laughs> flash adapter that will like, you know, ooh, my laptop is so lightweight. But all these adapters I have to carry around are like, a, I'm like a camel with adapters. Okay, but technical problems aside, how are you feeling about the book? Are you happy with it? Um, I have this like chronic like, I want to say yes. I want to be the person who is joyful and, you know, and I, my, every morning I say, Stephanie, please don't turn any blessings into burdens because I have this thing where I set a goal and then when I reach it, it should be like a blessing. And I'm like, oh God, oh, what if the book, you know, I want to write a book. I write the book and then I'm like, oh God, what if no one likes it? Oh God, it's not good enough. Oh God, there's a typo in it. Of course there's a typo in it. There's 88,000 words in it. It's not possible that there wouldn't be one. Like, <laughs> um, but I'm happy with the book. I'm afraid it's very honest. It's like this thing that I do, which is like, I, if I, if I can't be honest, then I can't be anything, be anything. 
and I, I show up to places and feel so insecure because I'll feel like, oh God, I'm not a real person and they like a fake person and now. So I do this honesty thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, then you're really scared because there's a lot of information out there about you, you know. And I meet people now who've read the first book and they're like, oh, I know all these things about you. And I'm like, oh, what's your name again? <laughs> like, oh, right. This is imbalanced. You know, <laughs> I know that feeling. I, I, I get that too, um, kind of from social media. People yeah. come up and be like, your dog is so cute. I love the way he does, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh God, I share absolutely everything. Yeah. And like, is there a line? Some people are like, well, if you put it out there, yeah, it's calm. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, yeah, but I put it out there in a f- certain form. I don't need you to come up and talk about my grandmother when I have half a burrito in my mouth. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like there's a time yeah. and a place. Totally. And it, I don't, it's not open for discussion. I just like no. put it out there, you know. Totally. Um, okay. The person you always laugh with, Stephanie. <laughs> I have uh, my best friend, Rachel. She lives in New York. Um, I always laugh with her. Sometimes she jokes just a little bit too soon before I'm ready to joke about something. Right. But we have, you know, that sort of those jokes that anyone else listening wouldn't find funny and would probably find really annoying if we're on a bus together people are like oh those two girls on the bus you know Mm -hmm. but there's these like little in jokes and little bits of nonsense that just are a code for like belonging and friendship and uh, like we do we call each other Yeisner because her second name is Yoder and my second name is Preisner (laughs) and we think that's gas and then we sometimes go around the place replacing the word putting the word Yeisner into songs Okay. So like um it's usually if the word is ya is eyes, you know. So like um we'll have because we call each other yais then to, for short, so it'll be like dry your yais, mate. <laughs> we just think that's gas or like um anyway, a lot of the examples. definition of an in joke. Yeah, you know, and we, we just think that sort of stuff is gas and we laugh at really, really stupid things and we cry together and we then eventually we go full circle with the like the Kubler-Ross sort of <laughs> experiences of grief back into laughter. Um, but yeah, she's someone who I think to laugh, like to have belly laughs at someone is so rare mm-hmm. and such a gift. And it's also a really it's kind of like a vulnerable thing where you give someone like your access to your sense of humor and it's something that I have like I'd be equally close to my housemate Cahill and mm-hmm. um, and he's like my my rock in the world like we do everything together and we the thing that I appreciate about him which is not the same as Rachel because for Rachel it's the laughter and the communication but for Cahill it's the silence you know and it's okay. equally as an important to relationship we don't laugh aloud too much when we do it's a, like it's really funny if we're laughing but we have the casual comfort of silence and like we'll walk into town together and say absolutely nothing. I love that. And I love that. Yeah. We'll like an evening activity is like we'll both read together separately books, you know. Really? Like, of, yeah. Reading. And did you just meet through being housemates? No. Uh, we we used to live as three people and the girl that we lived with was friends with both of us, you know, so we were the she was the common thing and then she left and now we're 
hitched at the hip attached to the hip whatever that is um but yeah i laugh a lot with rachel i also laugh at my nana she says things like i don't know how to laugh or i don't know how to smile but she says really hilarious things and i think old people are like the best perspective so if i'm ever feeling super stressed like particularly about usb ports i'll just (laughs) go to nana how often do you see your nana like every day every other day and you just you love visiting her or does she need a hand well, Miriam, uh, she's... <laughs> oh my God. I really love, I'd love to know. She, I love visiting her, but also she's 91. So there's always something okay. to be done. Like she can't get mass on the iPad because, you know, it has updated without her consent um, <laughs> or, you know, washing, drying. She has also like home help and stuff, but yeah. um, there's always something to be done. But also like she'll ring me and be like, I'm putting on a stew. Do you want to come out? And I'm Love like, yes, it. please. I'll thank you. There. ASAP. Yeah. Um, a time where you feel like you had the last laugh. Um, One. It's actually probably not as good. I'll start with the shit one and then we can get to the good one. Um, when I finished in the Gaty School of Acting, I really wanted to be an actor. Um, but... It wasn't going so well for me. No one wanted to cast me anything. And I applied to all the agencies. And the one that I really wanted was Lisa Richards. So I applied to them and they sent me back this generic but polite letter saying, no, thank you. Um, and then I wrote my first play and I wrote to them again to uh, to hire me as an actor. And they were like, no, thank you. And then I wrote to Aberdeen as my boyfriend. And then they came to me. Oh, I love it. <laughs> And they were like, would you like to come in for a meeting? And I was like, yes. And now sometimes, I now I'm represented by the least Richards agency. <laughs> I was going to be like, and so did you not go with them? You're no, like, I did no, in I the did. end. But now sometimes I send them a photograph of that letter where they're like, we think you have great talent, but we don't have room for you on our books right now. <laughs> um, so there's that. But then also, I was in a relationship with a guy once and um, we'll call him Stephen with a PH to be vague. <laughs> And uh, he broke up with me probably for several reasons, but one of which was that he wanted to move to Australia. And I had this like really deep sense of not being enough to keep someone. And it was at the time when like I was seeing all of my friends at going away parties because it was during the recession and everyone was leaving. And I just couldn't believe that he was leaving me Mm. and finishing our relationship to move to Australia. And he was quite cruel about it. He didn't do it in the nicest way. It happened on a beach. It was dawn. It was awful. I was freezing. I'm always freezing. And then I had the last laugh because I wrote a play about it called Somebody It Is My Boyfriend and I toured it to Australia. And uh, it did very well. And um, right on his doorstep, right on his doorstep. I toured that baby to his hometown in Ireland, to his hometown in Australia. It was in all of the national newspapers. It was kind of the first thing that like set my career on the path that it's on now. That is epic. And it would never have happened if he didn't break up with me. And I don't know if he's single because I don't follow him on any socials. But um, I definitely got the last laugh there. And also I feel like I don't talk about the people in my life. Like with Rachel and Cahill, I I talk about my experience of their friendship. I don't talk about their lives because that's their life, you know. Mm. And I'm not going to cannibalize other people's experience for my for for entertaining my fans or my friends mm. so but I think when someone breaks up with you it's different I think it's like a, 
like a division of assets, you know, you get your half of the story back and you can tell it however you want, as publicly as you want. Um, so, yeah, be very aware of we crossing are, me. <laughs> we're very early on in this podcast and I don't think we're going to top that in terms of last laugh moments. Yeah, unless you I'm gonna like start a present board. him to me. Yes, <laughs> a scoreboard. Um, but I, you're at the top at the moment. Great. OK, if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be for you? general western medicine that helps you to heal you know that's not where we're going with this (laughs) if laughter wasn't the best medicine Mm. sleep like honestly i think sleep and time are the best medicine yeah time definitely like just get some time in between you and that event and and it will be okay but it's a trek because you have to wait for time to pass and it does so slowly when you want it to go quickly but i think that time and sleep. How much do you sleep? Because I know you're a ma- major early bird. I, yeah, but I've stopped talking about the early birdness. Why? Because I think we fetishize stress and hard work in a way that's really unhealthy. So like I do happen to get up very early, but it's because I go to bed very early. Mm. And if I don't say that second half of the sentence and people feel like they want what I have or they want to emulate my routine, they're like going to bed at 11 o'clock and getting up at half four and they're burning out. And I don't think there's anything sexy or anything aspirational about that it's Mm -hmm. actually not very impressive at all for you to undermine your own health and your own uh well-being for you know capitalism (laughs) so (laughs) i get eight hours sleep and the times of that differ depending on what i'm doing um but i always get when i can i don't like sometimes i have sleepless nights but i try to get eight hours sleep and i will always prioritize that are you good with routine in general? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yes. I ask that because I know the answer. I very much am. <laughs> you um, love routine. Yeah, I'm kind of crazy about it. Like I was the kid who on Sundays would be like, "Mom, what are we having for dinner on Thursday? <laughs> and like in May would be like, teacher, who are we going to have teaching us in September? I need to know now. Where do you think that stemmed from? Or like it, it's just who it's you are? It's just fear, I think. Like if if you know the routine... I like to know, I, I, I just, it could be my star sign, it could be my blood type, who knows. Mm. But like, I don't, I'm never ever going to be ascribed, described as someone who has a thirst for adventure. <laughs> I have, I'm satiated for adventure, thank That is quenched. I do not like adventure. I don't like surprises. No spontaneity, no surprises. I don't, like I need a full itinerary. If there was, you know, people are like, if you could find out what date you would die on, would you want to know? Yes, absolutely I would. Like even when people started saying YOLO there a few years ago, I didn't understand because like you only live once and people were like YOLO and like knocking back a pint of shots. And you're like (laughs) YOLO, therefore I should exercise extreme caution because I am going to die, you know? That is so true. Yeah. Like why was YOLO throwing caution to the wind? YOLO should have been like, be very careful. YOLO was like a J1 thing where it would, it would excuse the fact that you had not enough money to be doing the stuff I would you never were doing. in a million years do a J1. Why? Because where is my bed? Why, why? Where is my space? Don't put your things on my side of the bed, on my side of the desk. <laughs> where? You're just presuming this is the desk. Well, whatever. Like, I just meant in school, I was also like, this is my space. These are the rules. This is my boundary. Don't come into my room. Can we get eight hours sleep? I want to know where everyone is at all times. What are we doing tomorrow? I hate when people go with the flow. 
you know like I'm up in the morning on holidays being like okay what's the POA what is the plan of action and I just feel like a J1 is this sort of hedonistic like off schedule people losing days and losing hours of consciousness to alcohol and drugs and sex and all the sort of things that aren't really scheduled and I just couldn't (laughs) I just couldn't cope like even today to record this did you feel a bit like like you texted me and you were like will there be coffee I just needed to know exactly what the setup was going to be. Like, do I need to bring a coffee? Because I'll need a coffee. It's going to be eight o'clock in the yeah, morning. Yeah. So like, is there going to be coffee or will I bring coffee? And either is fine. I just need to know. Did I do okay? You did great. Okay. And, I and, was a bit and also like, I told you what I was going to be wearing and I needed to know if there was going to be a photograph because I have a plan for the rest of the day and I would have had to change my clothes and then change my schedule, which also would have been fine if there had been a photograph, but right. there wasn't. Mm. And then, you know, like I'd say to my housemate like where do you want to go for dinner tomorrow and and I don't mind the answer like okay. I'm not controlling it's not that I'm like we have to go here okay you can say wherever I just need to know you just need a schedule yeah yeah you don't really care what's what is slotted in you just need to know what and I just really appreciate when people are like this is what's going to be happening we're gonna you're gonna come in and we're gonna ask you these questions and then you're gonna go and there's gonna be coffee we're gonna have lunch like there's nothing worse than like a meeting a work meeting at one o'clock and you're like is this a lunch meeting like will I eat my lunch beforehand or are we gonna that's, be eating together that's true actually do you know it's like yeah. just tell me because afterwards can... is, is too late yeah before is pretty early but yeah. like you don't want to be hungry in the middle of a meeting then exactly either, you know? um I saw while we're still on this during the summer on your insta stories you went to a music festival and it was your idea of hell Oh my God, like, now they paid me to be there, I had to do a talk, right? So that was work. So that's why I went. I won in a million years. A music festival is my idea of absolute hell. Why would you go there? The toilets were awful. Actually, if you look at my Instagram, I've highlighted it because I was a little, I had a little bit of post-trauma. Like for the days afterwards, I was shaking. Oh, actually. Yeah, like there was people everywhere. There was no, you know, in Ikea where the arrows are and you know where to go. I was like, how do I get to this, like this vague map? of a forest you know it was like orienteering all over again and I was Clara like Lara. I don't know how to get to this tent also why are we in a tent also I could smell weed like people were doing illegal things in public <laughs> and then like people were sitting on the floor and there was queues for food and the people were taking the money and they weren't wearing gloves and they were touching the food and they were touching the money and I was like this is like this if this was a permanent thing. It will be shut down. Why is it acceptable? Like, this is... I think the music festivals are dangerously unsanitary, unhygienic. And people go there to let their hair down. And I have my hair always tied up. Look, like... <laughs> just don't want my hair to fall down. That's what bubbles are for. So you legged it out of there, never to return. Yeah, and like, yeah, where's the car... The car park was a field. <laughs> the, everything got lost. There was no, I could, or I think I'd be really good at events. Now they would be highly organized. organized. Yeah. But they, it, maybe it's the German in me. My dad is German and okay, I was born okay. there. Maybe that's it. You Do you know? think that could be it? I, I, no, really. Because of nature <laughs> and nurture. But like, it's, it's certainly a Germanic attitude to structure and order. Okay. And efficiency. Like, it was so inefficient. There was a much more efficient way of getting those people from the car park to the tents, to the food, and having it laid out in a way that would be accessible and convenient. And that is not... But where's the crack in that? Ah, like, crack is for eggs. You know, like, crack is... Well, I don't want crack. 
Okay. Shall we move on to our quick fire round? Yeah, I'm scared of this one now. Oh my God, it's like not scary at all. I know, but it's it's unregulated, uncharted. Oh God, oh great. (laughs) Okay, this is so spontaneous and adventurous and you're doing it. Okay. Uh, The movie that always makes you laugh. I don't watch movies for laughter because I don't... uh, um, I watch movies to cry. Um, Just answer the question. uh, Movies that make me laugh. Can I say TV show? Yeah, go on. The Office, the US Office, an American workplace. Every time. Okay. Best TV show ever. Okay. The actor or actress, or both, that always makes you laugh? Steve Carell. Okay. No, Dwight Schrute. What's his name? Rain Wilson. Wilson. Rain Wilson. Yeah, or Steve Carell. And female? Um, um, Imagine you're just like, women aren't funny. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that women should be allowed to work. (laughs) Um, Woman that always makes me laugh, Catherine O'Hara. Okay. Do you know who that is? No, I don't. No, it's Kevin's mum in Home Alone. I love her. Oh, I love her and I love her in Beetlejuice. I just think she's great. Yeah, she's my fave. Oh my God, okay. Um, The book that made you laugh aloud. I read a book that was making me laugh out loud. What was it called? Just the Funny Parts by Nell Scavell. Very funny. Very, very funny. It's a memoir about her... um, experience of being a screenwriter in Hollywood and the ridiculous things that she's done. Yeah, really good. The comedian. Darren Garry. No, no, stop that. I don't actually think comedians are very funny. I'm not a comedian. Well, you are a comic person. Okay, this is the thing I think about comedians. I'm really oppositional. You know when someone says, you're going to love Darren, you have to meet Darren, you're so alike. Immediately, I hate Darren if you've never (laughs) even met her. So when I go to a comedy gig, I'm like, yeah, go on, make me laugh. Go on, you think you're funny, is it? Yeah, Yeah, no. So I find comedians difficult in that way. Um, I don't like the ones who are cruel as well. Mm. Good, clean fun, you know? Yeah, Um, and I think if you need to be vulgar, you're not funny. Yeah, you're not funny. Situational comedy is funny when people are reacting to situations rather than all these jokes they've prepared and just fire them at you like a cannon, you know? Okay, so you don't really have an answer. There's some of the guys who sit on the um, QI panel or the big fat quiz of the year and I find them really funny in that situation, but I don't know their names. Okay. Finally, Stephanie, your worst joke. Knock, knock. Who's there? To. To who? To whom? It's my favourite worst joke. It's such it's a so huge joke. Isn't it? It's the only joke I know. Stephanie Prison, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm sorry for failing the quick fire round. I'm not very good at quick fire. I would have had great answers if you'd given me them beforehand. Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life. I hope you enjoyed it. If there's anyone you'd like to hear from, get in touch. Tweet me at Theron Garrahy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all those other things. This podcast is recorded in collaborative studios. (laughs) 